episode 428 how to get on tv and why matt browning the awaken your alpha podcast hi i'm adam lewis walker founder of awaken your alpha the number one personal leadership podcast that is also a best-selling book awaken your alpha thousand tactics to thrive and also a tedx talk for how to rise up you can see a theme here but please do check these out if you like the talk if you like the podcast you will love the book the book is the best of the best and it's available on amazon this podcast is brought to you by the talk accelerator helping thought leaders increase influence income and impact by achieving their talk how to secure and smash your own tedx talk if you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot please do head over to talk accelerator.com that's talk x c e l e r a t o r.com so a little update here well after this interview matt did end up enrolling on the talk accelerator program and he actually upgraded from the core program to work with me one-to-one and so in this scenario i can officially announce we have secured matt's tedx talk he hasn't delivered the talk yet and we're working on that it took us under a month from our first one-to-one deep dive coaching call to actually secure his TEDx. And, you know, everyone's different. The results are not typical. You'll hear Matt, he goes after things. He's a smart worker. And if he you know, sees the opportunity, he will make the most of it. The whole subject we're talking about here is why things like getting on TV, doing a TEDx talk and speaking at prestigious places, why that might be of interest to you as an entrepreneur or as an individual. So, that's my update. We're happy to say Matt shortly will be able to add a TEDx speaker to his very impressive resume. Let's jump to this week's show. Get to the podcast. This week is a legendary episode. They always are, but this one is a friend and also an expert in the speaking realm. And he's the host of the Top Chime podcast, The Driven Entrepreneur. He wrote the best-selling book, The Firebox Principles. He's appeared on TV, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, and speaks at places like the Harvard Club, NASDAQ, the US Air Force Academy, avid motorcycle rider, church leader, rock climber. Matt Browning, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Are you kidding me right now? I cannot wait to awaken my alpha because it's been (laughs) awoken since I talked to Adam Lewis Walker. Buddy, I'm so happy to be here with you. This is going to be a fun time. It already is. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight to your pretty brief bio there? What are you all about at the moment? I mean, honestly, like the, the biggest thing that, that I spend my time doing is on a personal world, my wife, Lola, my son, Val, he's eight and a half. We spend a lot of time with the family. Um, my wife and I are really heavily involved in our ministry. We do a lot of faith work, um, and that bleeds into business a bit. Um, and then really, it's just, yeah, I'm speaking and training everywhere I can and uh, just, you know, following the hustle, man, following that hashtag entrepreneur life. Uh, and and I begin to take a lot of people with me as well, uh, in the tribe, you know, as far as helping them become better speakers and more powerful at at bringing their message and growing business that way. So that's what I do. So I show people how to do that too. Awesome. And for those of you who are thinking, what's he, what else is he training is evolution seminars and NLP bit of a master. You just got back, I think from like nine days in California. That's yours originally sort of over in California for a while. Well, we're talking that, tell us a little bit about your origins. How did you get to this point? Because like you do pop up on you know on the the news shows quite a bit and you you are traveling back to california running these seminars so talk to us a little bit about where you're originally from and the journey 
I started off in, in growing up for 38 years in Orange County, California. So I love SoCal. And, uh, you know, when I was 18, I fell into the mortgage business accidentally. I met two brothers that mentored me and showed me how to buy real estate and do mortgages. So shout out to Joe and Ed Sweeney. I always give them a shout out because they changed my life. And by 25, I found myself on this, the kind of the top of the money hill, I guess, as far as I was concerned, I was a self-made millionaire by 25. I had $5 million in property and um, running my own business for three years and had a staff and, and office and all this stuff. And I had everything that I thought I ever wanted, except for the one thing, which was I felt like my life really didn't have any purpose or meaning. Mm. Um, you know, and I know now looking back, it's, it's been years, I could have found meaning in that work, but I didn't at the time. Yeah. And I made the decision. I went to a seminar with Tony Robbins and, you know, the big head, big teeth, huge hands, you know, the, <laughs> such a... I love Tony to pieces, but man, that guy's got a, a very large head when you're up close. You don't realize how big it is on TV. <laughs> but I did a lot of work with Tony Robbins um, as a, a student um, 12 to 15 years ago. And man, it, everything has changed my life. Like that moment, I realized, wait a minute, I'm watching him transform people's lives. I'm watching him intervene on negative behavior. And, and ultimately, he was looking at how do people run their lives? Why do we do what we do? And I just got deep in that. And I, I said, I have to learn how this works. So I took NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. That's the technology behind what Tony Robbins does. And that's what he taught originally. So I thought, well, I'm going to go learn all that stuff. And I went and got certified every level I could. And then I didn't realize it. But all of a sudden, uh, I fell into being an NLP trainer. And I started running my own workshops. And at this point, I put on, I was telling you before we went, over 300 multi-day workshops and 18 cities and four countries around the world. And um, I just fell in love with the idea of having, you know, and I was just doing this in California, right? Nine days of people live in front of me and finding out what makes you tick. What do you really want in life? What's preventing you? How do you get into that? And I do that in life. I do it in business. Um, and yeah, man, like from that moment forward, I say, I got to do this for a living. I actually lost everything I built because I shut down all my companies. I, I abandoned the real estate world, maybe shouldn't have, but I did. And I follow the dream, you know, yeah. being a, a life coach and a transformation expert and an NLP trainer. And uh, quite frankly, Adam, I went broke doing it. Uh, I spent, <laughs> I did. I, <laughs> I ended up uh, living in my friend's trailer in his driveway, not my trailer, not my driveway. I couldn't even afford that. But I, I literally, I lost everything because I'm chasing the dream. And yeah. I know when I, I share that story, because a lot of people will come to me after I speak and say, man, maybe it wasn't the same content, but they relate to that. Like I'm giving it all up. I, I laid on the line. I'm going after my dream. And then for two years, dude, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't make any money. I didn't think I was really helping anybody, but I started putting on these seminars and I started just coaching people, anyone who would listen. I didn't care. You know, I, I go to a meetup. I, I, I go to a coffee shop and say, I'll be your life coach. Like I just wanted to help people. Yeah. And along the journey, it took some time, but I broke out with a speaking circuit in Australia originally in 2008. And it started going up from there. How, yeah, you broke out of a speaking circuit in Australia. How did that come about? And I'm sure it's very random or did you, you know, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> well, random, but not. And I know you do a lot of work with like TEDx and speakers and everything. So I think you'll appreciate this. Part of it was luck. Yeah. And that's what I learned from um, one of my first private clients was a guy named John McAfee, who founded McAfee Antivirus, pretty big company. And that was all luck. And he flew me out to his house one day to do work with him. Um, and I'm sitting there having breakfast with John McAfee. And here's, I, I said, how did you make this happen? He sold his business for $100 million. I was like, how did this happen? Yeah. Right? That, that's what <laughs> McAfee sold the first time. And I thought, I, I'd like to know this. 
And he looked at me, <laughs> and, so I said, what's the number one characteristic that you needed as a leader to sell a company for $100 million? And he looked right at me and said, luck was the number one characteristic I needed. And I went, well, what about all, what all these coaches and what they say? And he said, look, man, it, it, it's luck. And, you know, he's talked to Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and all the big names. And he said, every one of them agrees. Luck was more important than anything. With that said, you have to have some ingredients to play into the luck pot, but it really is that, that aspect of, man, sometimes you just have to be, now, sometimes lucky is walking on the right street and going to the right parties and meeting the right people. Yeah, I was going to say, and making the most of your opportunities or being aware and observing and, you know, not just <laughs> missing them as they come past. So, Very yeah. much. So I, I didn't intentionally try to speak in Australia, but one of the guys that I met through the Tony Robbins groups, we were doing a mastermind of Fiji, uh, sitting in the hot tub together, hanging out. And it turned out he was one of the bigger seminar promoters in Australia, a guy named Jamie McIntyre. He's a good friend today. And shout out to Jamie, if you're listening to this. Um, and he's amazing. You know, he's had Richard Branson over and Tim Ferriss and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he's like legit puts on some of the biggest seminars there. Wow. And I was in real estate at the time. So then I just thought to myself, I should probably reach out after I reached out and said, hey, man, uh, I'm a speaker now. I don't know if you have any spots. I teach NLP. And he said, yeah, we'll test you out as a speaker or however he talks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and uh, within a few months, it was worked out. And I flew out there on quite literally my last dime, yeah. landed in Australia, spoke in front of 400 people. And I was down to, I mean, my last $40 in my, in my pocket. And a lot of people didn't know that story. I've shared it now many times yeah, on stage, yeah. but I was, was going to say literally 40 bucks, man. Yeah, no, no one knew that at the time. I, I was there to speak on wealth mindset. <laughs> <laughs> and man, oh man. The wealth uh, mindset. I've got it, but <laughs> I've got the mindset. I got the mindset, just nothing to go along with it. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I mean, I remember I'm walking the streets in Australia looking for a place to stay. I had nowhere to sleep. And I saw the sign that said, true story, uh, hostel beds $33 for a bed so I was like well I got 40 bucks so I, I walk up to the hostel and I said uh, and I'm hoping I can sleep there tonight and maybe yeah. I'll meet someone at the seminar and I can crash with them I don't know what I was gonna do <laughs> literally I'm down to no money and the lady said that'll be $53 and I was like ah oh, but I thought it was 33 and yeah. and she said well there's a $20 key deposit don't worry mate you'll get it back when you check out yeah. and I had to walk away from I couldn't afford a bed at a hostel because I couldn't afford the refundable key deposit. It was one of the most humbling slash humiliating moments that I'd really had coming from where I had been financially to. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, basically bankrupt chasing my dream. But that was a moment. I mean, that I'll never forget that night, man. I walked out aimless, nowhere to sleep. I didn't know what to do. So I did what anyone would do. I went and got Chinese food because it was hot and there's lots of it. It was only seven bucks, you know, for a big plate. I thought maybe I had to sleep on the park bench. MSG would keep me warm at night. I, I don't know. I don't know. But man, I was walking around just going, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. And I had to get it figured out pretty quickly. Um, I used some of the NLP that I had learned. Um, I got myself back into the right state and I went on stage the next day and I said, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to connect with these people. I'm going to give the deepest value I can. And I did. Um, and at the end, I sold 58 thousand dollars in uh, trainings from that one 75 minute talk and from that moment wow. forward because i went into this thing man like not trying I was to get gonna say, is it a speak speak to sell kind of scenario it was like a huge cut or did it to 50 50 or 50 50 that? at least yeah. at the time it was 50 but, and again yeah. talking about like raising the stakes so it's like a sink or swim i assume there was if you made no sales, there was no, they weren't paying you to speak at all. It was just, you speak to sell. Yeah. 50, 50, 50. Oh yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and I had to fly commitment. myself out yeah. there. I had to yeah. put myself up yeah. and 50, 50 uh, split. 
but it was like, and that was the moment. I mean, I went on stage and said, okay, this is it, God. Like, if I'm not supposed to be doing this for a living, if this is not what I'm supposed to dedicate my life to, then I'm going to suck at this. And that was the moment I would have had to turn around. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't even have money to get a taxi to the airport to go home. Like, I was really royally yeah. screwed. Um, but that was a moment when it, it changed everything, man. And, and, and I realized that when I gave the most value I could genuinely there to impact people's lives in, our, in the most real way possible. That was a moment I, I believe I finally received a reward for the value I was giving. And we talk about that a lot, like in personal growth work, you know, where it's like, what's the value you bring? And, but usually the conversation's about, no, no, what's the value you bring so that you can make a bunch of money? Mm. And the conversation I had in my mind genuinely was, I just want to give back. I just want to care. I just want to do something great for people. And I've chased that for two years going broke. And I finally hit that moment of, I guess, I don't know, like emotionally, I realized I can receive back. Yeah. yeah. And it's right for me to receive back. And it's right for you to receive back. The more value you bring to the world, the more you should receive back. And that very much is a real scenario. Yeah. How long did that, that relationship with the Australia and that setup last? Because obviously, I'm sure you wanted to get a little bit closer to home as well. You know, it's funny. If, uh, if you work in a cubicle, all you want to do is travel. And if you travel for work, all you want to do is stay home. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like the grass is always greener. So at the time I wanted to travel the world and like get paid for it. And I wanted yeah. to do that. So I went on circuit basically. So I was in Australia for about three years, um, six months out of every year, but six weeks at a time, if that makes sense. So I'd yeah. go over for six weeks, come back home for four to six weeks. And then I'd go back out again. And, and pretty How old quickly, were you at this point? And what was your family life's kind of set up at this point as well? I was single. Yeah. <laughs> I actually said, yeah, yeah, which worked well. I just met my wife. Um, so we had just met, and on my, I think on my first trip, I came home. And I don't remember, technically, if we started dating just before I left or just when I came home. And then I went on another trip, and you know, and then she came visited me on a trip. And then pretty quickly, once we were together, then she started traveling with me, and we, uh, and then we got married and had a baby, and then we all started going. And then I realized, man, a nine-month-old baby, and you know, <laughs> she's like, the dream sounds like like we did this seminar in New Zealand. Um, we we were there for three and a half weeks, and I thought this will be brilliant. I'm doing a weekend seminar. We'll have a week and a half off in between, and then I'll put yeah. on an advanced NLP training for those people. Brilliant. But in between, it was like there were sales calls, there was follow-up, and yeah. it was very young at the time, right? So I'm, I, I don't have any help, so I'm going to the office store in New Zealand trying to make copies of the manual, and mm. like I'm doing all that stuff. So what happened is there's only a few days in between, so the vacation turned into my wife just wandering the ho hotel hallway for 12 hours at a time with a baby and trying to occupy him, and then I'm busy teaching. So we decided at that point, I'll travel and go speak and come back home, and then we'll do family vacations separate from work a lot of people go Actually, you know they try to combine it i'm out i don't do that yeah no i i've been trying to <laughs> my wife's smart i've been trying to do any little just i've been trying to combine stuff and she's basically says she's got sense she says no that will happen it, basically what you just said she goes that you'll be doing this, this could be horrendous this. yeah and you'll I, be the, you'll be yeah. three days and you're speaking and everyone wants to talk to you and you're doing all your stuff and i'm just hanging out waiting for you to be done no thanks <laughs> talk about your new podcast i think it, it leads right from that conversation we i we just said about how when you don't travel, it's really fun. But for three years straight, I traveled nonstop. And I was literally putting on uh, seminars in 18 cities. And these are three to five day long seminars or deep dive trainings yeah. around NLP or teaching public speaking. Yeah, that's, that's and intense. I, yeah. I mean, dude, we did a retreat in Fiji every year. I hit all six major cities in Australia, three cities in New Zealand, uh, whatever that is, six more cities in the Western US. And I would just 
and that was my life as I became this on the road uh, speaker and trainer. But after I think three you years, were, yeah, I think you just kind of you, you when I spoke to you, we had our little mastermind as well. You had you were kind of on the flip end. You were like on the downsize. You just moved yes. back to Michigan, and you were like, "These are my goals," and everyone's like, huh? and you were like completely like it was that li- lifestyle change as well. It's really inspiring to hear. Yeah, because most of the podcast guys and, and gals we were hanging out with there had the opposite dream. Exactly. They were like, I've been doing podcasting. I'm isolated. I want to go do seminars and speak and be around people. And look, I love being around people. I'm a huge extrovert. Yeah. But dude, on the road that long, eventually I just started burning out. I was on the road more than I was home. Yeah. And there's some people who do that more. But I mean, dude, 180, you know, 190, 200 days on the road. It was like, a you know, platinum elite status is wonderful or whatever for hotels and flights. <laughs> but it, it, um, it's not the lifestyle that I wanted anymore. So I started asking myself, how can I shift this? So out of that came the podcast, The Driven Entrepreneur. That was the first show. And I thought, I don't know where it's going to go, but I know that I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I know that's the one uh, thing that really, if I don't like to identify myself as something as one thing, you know, maybe I'm an enigma or something, uh, but <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm unique like everybody else. Right. <laughs> but like, I think at the heart, I'm probably an entrepreneur is the biggest thing. And so I said, okay, well, if that's, if that's one of the things I love to talk about and some of my ideal clients are business owners, entrepreneurs, I love working with, you know, everyone from uh, financial planners to functional medicine doctors to authors, coaches, and speakers. And like, I love these people because they're my people. Mm. And I love teaching, you know, communication NLP. But now as I've been using it for myself for, you know, 10, almost 15 years, I'm starting to teach them some of the strategies too. So that's where I'm like, okay, well, how can I get myself on stages that are more leveraged? And one of the leveraged stages is television. Because believe it or not, people still watch television and radio. And believe it or not, even with podcasts, there's people that I was speaking to live this week and said, subscribe to my podcast. And they were like, I have no idea how to do that. Well, One person said, what is a podcast? And uh, I said, yeah, oh, well. You can forget that sometimes when you're in our kind of podcasty world, you just get consumed. But you talked about the TV and uh, you know, leveraging that. But also it's the, the credibility, the instant credibility that comes from seeing you, you know, your mug on the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I call it like, you know, call it prestige, call it credibility. I call it the celebrity effect. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a funny thing because love it or hate it, believe in it or don't, it's just real. Mm-hmm. Like if you and I were sitting in a room somewhere, we we're sitting in the bar talking after the seminar and anyone who was famous from television, because that's where famous people hang out, right? They go yep. on Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> they go on the morning show when they have a movie release, they go on to the talk show circuit. So somewhere subconsciously, we know that famous people, celebrities are always on television or in movies. They're not, they're everywhere else too, kind of, but like, it's not, anyone can go to Starbucks, only celebrities go on TV. And that's what we all know at the subconscious level in our brains. I think it goes back to caveman time when, you know, there's, there's something about prestige or status. And this is, this is a conversation about hierarchies in nature and hierarchies in, in human nature as well. Everyone knows that if, if there's always an alpha, right, of, of something, mm-hmm. there's a, a monkey in the troop that is stronger and faster and whatever, and the monkey's in charge. And we know that if food comes out, that monkey is going to eat first. And what happens is the weak monkeys don't eat first. They eat last if there's any left. And that's just how most animal kingdoms work. Humans do it more complex yeah. and with more rules, but it's the same structure. There's something about, right? Like, so, so what does it mean to be at that, at that higher end of a hierarchy? And again, some people say, I don't like hierarchies because the people at the bottom don't get and the people at the top get too much. And that's all true. 
but it doesn't make the structure any less uh, present, right, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the caveman times, it was about, hey, if I'm around the strongest or the most influential one, the tribe leader, or what have you, the clan leader, I get a better chance internally to have more food, more resources, more fire, more chance to mate, whatever it is that I'm wanting at the time to survive. So there's this innate thing, I think, deep in our reptilian brain that says, get around someone who's, quote, important, whatever that means in the environment. So that's what the celebrity effect really does is it's, it sets you up at the unconscious level for someone to see you and go, hey, I should probably, I feel like I want to be around that person. And that works really well when you're trying to attract a high level client or prospect. People need to know who you are long before they know what you do. And on top of that, it's, it's the instant trust factor as well. We, we were talking before as well, the TEDx speaker, which uh, I yep. know you've got one, I'm confident you've got one coming. Because um, of you. Yeah. <laughs> and with the, with the same thing with TV, because they feel like the TV station has done their due diligence. So, that, you know, they kind of vetted you. They're saying this guy's okay or this girl's okay. And same with, you know, the TED stage. They, they've, they've done their homework. It's not an easy thing to do um, unless you know what you're doing kind of thing. So talk to us about how do you get on TV and, and make that leap? And you know, obviously, I'm sure we can't cover it all, but just some of the key things that you, know, you do. Yeah, I can tell you a couple of keys, and especially for business owners, um, there's a, there's a lot to how to do it. But here's the the number one uh, mindset of it is exactly what you said. That there's the perception, there's the reality. The perception is, um, it feels like if you're like if you're a parenting expert and you wrote a parenting book, how many people wrote parenting books? Hundreds and hundreds all across the world. But how many parenting book authors are on Fox Morning News or ABC or NBC or whatever? Well, far less, right? Far less. So the concept is, well, they must have needed to have someone who's a really big deal or someone who is the quote best. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and if you're the best, they found the best and they're the people they invited on TV. The reality is reversed though. Usually it's actually the author who worked and, and followed the right strategy to pitch yeah. and, to, and to get booked on TV. And it's not because it's the best, it's because they put up the best segment. So key number one, if you want to get booked on radio or on TV for your business, you have to be the one to create a segment, as we'd call it. You don't just say, oh, this is who I am, and this is my story, yeah, and I'm you, a really great person. What do you think? Person. How can I help? What do you want me to do? Kind of like putting oh. the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Putting the, basically the emphasis on the work on them that, that you can't even be bothered to work out what can you do kind of thing. Producers hate that stuff. Yes. So what I've learned along I the way I love your segments is, as well. I've seen some of your segments. Oh, thanks, man. So, I mean, here, some of the segments that got him booked are things like five superhero traits every leader must avoid. And I put that together because I wanted to promote my new book, The Firebox Principle. And it's a leadership book about the seven drives that fuel every entrepreneur. But if I went on and said, I want to talk about how to be a better leader in the workplace, nobody yeah, I wants I want to come it. and promote my book as well. Oh, <laughs> and it, that'd so be a good one. <laughs> they, they love, like most of the segments I've gone on, they, they, oh, do you have your book with you? Oh, we can put it yeah. up on the table. That's really cool. Yeah. They asked me about the book. They're going to put a link at the end and say, if you want to get Matt's book and find out more, go here. And they put a big link. It's like, it's all free advertising. Yeah, it's huge. Better than that though. It's not about how many people see you on your segment and buy your book or whatever. What it really is, is think of it like this. You have a high quality union, probably paid, uh, top, top shelf camera operating, directors, uh, hosts with great experience, an amazing set, well lit with hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment. If you paid someone, with that quality studio and staff to do a five minute promo interview for you, you'd probably pay upwards of 20 to $50,000. Yeah. 
And the TV stations, with their own notoriety of, you know, the tag of ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, they're doing it for free. And then, and then it's like, here you go. Now I have a three, five-minute clip that makes me feel, you know, like I'm special. So number one rule is you have to create a segment for them. Mm-hmm. You have to say, this is what the segment's called. This is the title. And then here's the three, four, five, six, seven is probably too many, but three to six points or keys. And, you know, some, it's funny. Some producers love formulas. Yeah. So I went on with my fire formula, you know. So, fi- you know, if you want to be a great leader, lead with fire because firebox. Yeah. And F is flexible, and, you know, and, yeah. and, and I explain that. Some of them hate formulas. They, oh, I don't, we, don't, we don't do formulas anymore. Yeah. So what you do instead is you say, I don't do a formula, but I say lead with fire, F, flexible, I, <laughs> intelligent. So you always want to be ready with like, again, it's not about waiting for them to ask you questions. You need to be able to, if they, if they shut up completely, you need to be able to do a whole segment. They yeah. love that, believe it or not. With that kind of building that relationship as well, I want to talk about almost like the domino effect. When you got your first TV segment, yeah. was, was there an aspect of when you reached the other one, oh, I've been featured on, say, like NBC or whatever it was, is there a domino effect? And do you become almost, for certain things, their they're regular, their they're callback if there's an, a relevant issue and they're like, hey, can you jump in? Or they, do you build them relationships? How does that work? Yeah, very great question. So the, the first question is, is it easier to get booked once you've done it? And the answer is yes, right? And I'm sure it's same as TEDx or anything else. Like once you've done one or you've yeah. done two, a couple of things. One is I, I've learned a little more about what people are looking for. So when I did my second segment, it, oh, and the reason I did that segment of five superhero traits is because every station, what they always want is, they, they want a lot of things. But if you can put animals in a segment, if you can put uh, celebrities in a segment, they love it. A morning show, they want to say, you know, so instead of saying, um, I'm a health and nutritionist and I help people lose weight, you say, you know, um, five secret foods that'll melt belly fat. Like, I'm going to say that. something about Kim Kardashian's booty or something. Like that. <laughs> well, that's what you, you want to do. So you'll say, yeah. you know, so the second food I call the, pr- the Chris Pratt special. And this is the food he used when he had to uh, slender down or tone up for Guardians of the Galaxy. But you, you find a way, if you can find a way to throw in some celebrity into your teaching point, that makes them feel like, oh, because now you're a nobody. Yeah. I mean, so to speak, right? They don't know oh, yeah, who totally. you are or I am, yeah. but they know who Chris Pratt is. So if you can bring George Clooney, Chris Pratt, Bill Clinton, whoever, uh, into your segment, that's going to help it make, uh, be more bookable. So yeah, to answer your question, the more you do, the easier it is. Plus, if you get into bigger shows, though, like bigger markets, you know, I did... Um, uh, CW in Chicago and Chicago is the number three market in the U S and it's harder to get Chicago, Los Angeles, New York. Those are oh, big yeah. shows, you know, big, um, and, and even whatever it is like good morning. Uh, well, good morning America is a national show. That's yeah. huge. And that's something I'm working towards, but like, um, uh, what's called good day LA, right. In Los Angeles, that's a yeah. very, very big show. Very well watched Los Angeles, number two market. So to get booked at good day LA as your first TV appearance, probably ain't going to happen. It's the equivalent of getting booked at TED before you've done TEDx. Yeah. I've had people say, oh, I really want to do a TED. What about, what do you think about that? And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's the same thing. If someone said, right, I want to go on the, you know, good morning America. Off yes. The that, that's the global stage. That, <laughs> yeah. Like that's the big, that's the big leagues. I mean, yeah. that's what Tony Robbins did his famous TED talk with Al Gore in the audience and the founders of Google and all yes. this stuff. Like these are all very, very big names. And, and I'll tell you right now, most people, me included, um, would not be ready for that national stage before we've done. So I call it go local before you go global. Yeah. Do it for your speaking, 
do it for TED, do it for television, do it for media, you know, go on yeah. podcasts before you're doing live radio, go on local TV in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in uh, Malu- uh, Missoula, Montana, long before you do in LA and New York, that's yeah. for sure. And then when you go and, and connect with a producer in New York with a very relevant topic, then they can go, they're going to Google you and they go, oh, and they'll see you've done 20 shows and all these clips are on. And what they know is, okay, I probably won't get my butt handed to me by my boss because if this guy screws up, <laughs> look, man, he's got 20 clips of basically yeah. doing the same segment and crushing it and How doing well. Yeah. <laughs> How was I to know that he'd go off the rails and be weird? You know, so, so that does help quite a bit. They, they want to know uh, who you are. <laughs> Talking about when you, you know, go into these TV shows and someone's thinking, oh, this is great. As a business, you've got to almost have a complete or separate business brain to turn this visibility into some kind of revenue. Because obviously from being on TV, that's not directly, you know, you're not earning money from the TV station. How did you then justify that to the, for the rest of your business? Yeah, man. Look, as long as you're in business in some way, it's easy. Here's a quick example. One of the um, guys I know, my, my media coach, um, coached him to do this. He's a roofer right? Just a contractor. He does roofs and yeah. windows and things. Yeah. And he used to send out these mailers and the mailer would do what everyone does. It shows an old roof and it shows a yeah. new roof and it has testimonials. And what that is, is in business, that's when you say, this is, this is the, what do I do statement, right? What do you do? Well, I help these kind of people. I help these homeowners with old roofs to get rid of the leaks and to help. And you know, it's a, what do you do statement? It's an elevator pitch. You're explaining what you do. What he did, though, is he took those same mail-out cards, and instead of putting pictures of old and new roofs, he put pictures of himself, screenshots of him on television, and then speaking at very important places. And he put that on and said, you know, it's something about basically, he just said, this is who we are. You know, this area's number one roofing company can help you, you know, to never leak again or something. Very simple. Not a lot of what do you do, but what happens is when people got that, he said his business went up so, I don't remember the amounts, but it was some astronomical amount. It was like, you know, from 200K to 600 or a million or something like that. Or maybe yeah. it was bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but it was a massive change in the response and actual the direct mail response because he put clips of speaking uh, uh, screenshots instead of screenshots of roofs. I promise you, you tell your prospects and clients, you show them who you are. Because most people, especially people who pay premium pricing, they want to work with the best. Yeah. The jewelry case effect. And the jewelry case effect is how much is your jewelry worth? How much is your product worth? Well, it depends on which case it's in. If, if your jewelry is in uh, the Walmart case, it has a certain range of the max it can be worth. Yeah. If it's in a Macy's case, it might be a little higher. And if it's in a Tiffany's case. So when you get TV clips, that brings a different level of prestige than when I spoke at the entrepreneur's seminar in, you know, Boise, Idaho. Yeah. And one thing tells you who, what you do, but the first one says who you are. You must be the best at your industry if you spoke at a place like that. So it's really that subject of taking, adding prestige by speaking in important places, by getting on media, television, radio, uh, well-known print like Forbes and things like that. And, and TEDx, I, to me, TEDx fits right into that same category of yeah. they're all ingredients to just a kick butt um, entrepreneur pie. And the yeah. more ingredients you have, the better it's going to be. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's sort of like the book, the podcast, TEDx. That's, you know, there are some key things and, t- and TV's one of them that I haven't really hit up much. So uh, no, I'm loving this episode. So we're going to move into the alpha round here. Is there a quote, either a favorite quote or just a way you like to live and approach your life that really resonates with you? 
a favorite quote of how I like to when live my life. When someone puts you on a spot, really... either on a TV show or a podcast, <laughs> what springs to mind? Well, well, the problem is no one ever puts me on the spot on a podcast. They always send me, uh, send me everything, <laughs> you know, long before. <laughs> I like to, uh, you know, I like to keep it fresh. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, uh, so a lot of things. I've actually been working on a lot more quotes and memes lately and things that, um, that, that, that strike me. One of them I wrote down recently uh, on my Instagram account, at Matt Browning, if you like memes and quotes and you want to see what my kid looks like it's at matt browning uh don't focus on what you've done focus on what you'll become Mm, and to me it's really about sometimes we can't leave our past in the past and it's one thing to learn from it it's another thing to live in it is there a particular impactful book for you at any stage of your life or even one relevant that maybe you give to people outside of your own book obviously Oh, uh, tell me a little bit about the fire. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love your, I love the cover. I mean, I, I was just like stroking your book when I saw it. Wow. You, dude, <laughs> you know what? I like it when you stroke my book. It's very nice. If it you're on so, the video, it's so there it chunky. It's like, yeah, the firebox. There it is. It's very sexy. You know, well, let me give you a quick little uh, value piece about this instead of talking about the book. So it's the firebox principle, the seven drives that fuel every entrepreneur. Um, but one of the things I did is if you're looking at the cover, those are Awaken Your Alpha. <laughs> the, Solid cover yours. I so like. what did I go for? For the cover? So it's like, if, you, if you're not seeing this, it's, it says the firebox and kind of a, just a red um, mm-hmm. box and it's white printing inside. And then it says principal underneath. There's a subtitle at the very top, seven drives that fuel every entrepreneur, then my name, and then a forward below my name at the bottom. The reason I did exactly the layout I did is modeling. Mm. You know, the purpose of the book was not to sell a bunch of books. It was the same thing as of anything else. The purpose of the book was when people see it, I want them to go, oh, like, wow, it feels like I'm a legit author versus some self-published author. Yeah. So mine, I wanted it to look like a Seth Godin book, a Malcolm Gladwell book, or uh, if you go to Barnes and Noble and you look at the New York Times kind of top selling books in the business world, I just simply modeled. I, I literally, I, I took pictures of every single yeah. one that was a top seller. And I, I said, did a okay, similar thing. You the, had to. You know, the ones you like, I love it. Yeah. yeah. But what I did is I said, okay, it's just like, you know, where do you put your, your brand new, um, your fast food restaurant? Well, you find where McDonald's put a new one and you go across the street because McDonald's has a lot more research budget than you do. And these big publishers have a lot more research budget. So book covers are like fashion. Every year there's a new fashion of what they're supposed to look like. That's how you know that book looks very 90s. This book looks very 80s, right? This book looks very today. So I did it exactly that way. So the book lays out the seven different drives that I found in origin stories among some of the most successful entrepreneurs in history. And then at the end, I put, you know, the Firebox book. Uh, there's also a uh, quiz at fireboxbook.com. You can get the book. But you can also take a quiz. It's free. And the quiz is going to tell you which of the seven drives is driving you behind the scenes. Awesome. Legendary. So yeah, you guys, you can see how it all fits in to everything you do. From your network, who would you recommend would be a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha? Yeah, you'll love this person. So I'll introduce you to Ruben Gonzalez. He's a four-time Olympian and he's competing or he's training right now to do the 2022 Olympic Games, uh, Winter Games. And if he makes 2022, he'll be the oldest Winter Olympian in history. What event event is he going for? He does luge. Ah, awesome. Yeah, he's got this incredible story of being, you know, no athlete, but I want to create something. He's dreamed of the Olympics and he's almost like Eddie the Eagle, but, you know, um, he's much cooler, I think. He he dreamed of like, man, I want to go to the Olympics. So he took up luge in his early 20s, trained, 
and then he's done Olympics in four different. I was, I was obsessed. I re- heavily looked into um, the Irish bobsleigh team when I when I my athletics career pole vault was done, and I was like trying to I was like trying to recruit and thinking how can I get to the Olympics in some form. So <laughs> I was oh my gosh, the Irish I bobsled team. <laughs> I, I just pitched it with like a big Guinness down the side of it at the spot. <laughs> <laughs> for a while it was an ongoing joke i was recruiting like are you irish I'll get to the irish bobsleigh team yeah close enough you know <laughs> yeah close enough yeah where'd you originate so I, i'm england but i you know I thought so yeah but my my granddad was fully irish and i did uh you know was involved in the irish um, track and field team for pole vault before it all went wrong and i had a bit of an injury anyway. that'd be epic yeah but he, he'd be phenomenal <laughs> on the podcast Right. What is the best way people can follow up with you if they want to hear more? Because we're out of time. Ah, oh, perfect. So follow me on Instagram and Facebook, YouTube, wherever you want. It's at Matt Browning, B-R-A-U-N-I-N-G, German spelling, at Matt Browning on all social media. Check out The Driven Entrepreneur if you like podcasts. It's very cool. I do a teaching Tuesday every Tuesday. The last one I did was a, seri- a mini series on the power of purpose. And every Friday, I drop an interview with a successful entrepreneur such as Adam Lewis Walker, uh, and then, of course, if you want to get the Firebox book or take the quiz and find out which drive is your drive, go to fireboxbook.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Thanks, buddy. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This podcast is brought to you by the Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk how to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com.